ladies, you can be submissive, and you should be submissive to your husband, yet still in charge over the ministry that God has given you, okay? Number one, I want you to hear that. You should be submissive to your husband, but also God may be calling you to a position of leadership, and in that area, you're leading if God's called you to lead. So in the home, the woman should, or the husband should be the head in the home. The Bible talks about the husband being the head of the home. But in your calling, in your calling, you may be the one that the Lord has called to lead. Think about this. Jesus was submitted to the Father, but he was still God. When I, when I read that, Jesus was submitted to, to the Father, but he, it didn't change his position of authority in what God had called him to do. He was still God. It's incredible when you think about that right there. Submission and authority. Because we're to submit to one another. We are actually to submit one to another, right? As unto the Lord. So Paul was talking about keeping order. Here in this 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, when you back up to verse 26... Paul was speaking about order in church meetings um, because there was a lot of undisciplined discussion and that undisciplined discussion was interrupting the services. <laughs> Women were told to be silent and to ask their husbands at home because the Gentile women of that time were not in, they were not educated in the scriptures yet. It was not, it was not the custom. Women were unlearned women were not educated women were not thought of as really much more than slaves so and that was the culture of the time um so but the misinterpretation of these verses have as, as it actually has placed women in a in a bondage a spiritual bondage for many centuries you know and obviously things are shifting and things are definitely changing but Nothing has really changed according to the heart of God. It's just culturally that people are starting to understand the heart of God was and always will be the same. It's the culture, people's understanding of what, of what was written, is, that might change, right? People, Because people get the enlightenment. It's like, oh, okay, I get it now. But I still, we're going to get into a lot of detail here. But I want, to, I want to say something here that uh, biblical hermeneutics is interpreting a verse not just on what you read that verse. Like one, you can't just pull one verse out of the Bible and then make it and make a doctrine out of it. Nor can you take one verse out of the Bible, make it say something it's not saying because you obviously want to take it into you know context with the mm. whole verse, right? But you can't you can't build a case on one or two scriptures. You've got to be able to. It, it should be you should see that thread throughout the whole Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. You should have the heart of God behind it so that you don't get yourself in trouble, right? Mm -hmm. So biblical hermeneutics is taking a scripture and then actually letting that scripture be backed up by the whole Bible and not pulling it out of context and letting Amen. it say something it doesn't Amen. say. Amen. So is Paul forbidding a woman to teach men or women to teach men? Well, aren't we all called to make disciples? When I was reading this, I was you know, studying for my notes and everything, and I was, I have been studying about this topic for a long time, but last night, I put a lot of these notes together, and, and one of the things the Lord said to me is, what about the Great Commission? Was that only to men? 
when I said, go out and make disciples of all nations? Was that only to men? Making disciples of all nations means you're, you're making followers of Jesus. But in order for you to make a follower of Jesus, make a disciple, you have to teach. You got to teach something. You got to be able to teach truth. Right? So is Paul forbidding a woman to teach men? Because we are all called to make disciples. Matthew 28, 19, for those that are taking notes. Mm-hmm. Of course, Paul stated in Galatians 3, 27 and 28. That was Matthew 28, 19. Uh, Matthew 28. Oh, after that. Oh, then Galatians 3, 27 and 28. So Paul stated in Galatians 3, 27 and 28, and this is a familiar scripture. But it says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you've put on Christ. When, you got, when we, women, when we were baptized into Christ, when we said yes to Jesus, we put on who? Christ. We put on Christ. Who lives in us is Christ, right? Now that scripture goes on and it says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Mm-hmm. There is neither slave nor free, male nor female. But you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul also said this. So what, Paul, what is it? You're speaking out of both sides of your mouth, or it would appear, right? But once a person has been baptized into Christ, their gender is no longer, it, it's, it's not an issue. It's not any more an issue than the color of their skin. Does it matter if they're black or they're white? Does it, it doesn't, he's saying we're all one in, in Christ once you have become a follower of Christ. So, but yet, he did say very clearly, a woman should learn, let little women learn in silence, right? He said, I don't permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Then he said, it's shameful. It's shameful for a woman to speak in church. That's strong language. So does this demand for silence uh, mean that it's wrong for women to share testimonies? Because you know what? When you share your testimonies, there's a lot of teaching going on. There's a lot of learning. There's a lot of inspiration going on. What is teaching? Only when I say I'm going to now bring you a message? Or is my life teaching? Is everything that I do, is everything we do, is that teaching? does Does this demand for silence mean that it's wrong for a woman to share a testimony in church, to pray, to pray publicly? You know, when you pray... And, and you're praying the heart of God and you're praying the word of God, you're, you're having authority over a man, whoever may be listening, whatever man might be there listening. As you're praying the word, what are you doing? The spirit of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. What is that? That means you're speaking the word of truth. That means you're teaching, you're instructing as you're praying. Does this mean that it's wrong for a woman to read scriptures at church or even to give announcements? Of course not. Like we know common sense tells us absolutely not. But these speaking limitations, as Paul, would, it would appear anyway, these speaking limitations on women is contrary to the scripture. Now we're going to look at places, other places in the Bible where the, it shows the opposite. Okay. So in Joel 22 and 28, and again, the same scripture is in Acts 2, 17. So you'll find one in the old and one in the new, Joel, 20, Joel 2, 28, and Acts 2, 17. I'll just read the Joel 2, 28 one. 
but it says, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. He included women there. Old men shall dream dreams. Young men shall see visions. On my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So he said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And then he said that both men and women will prophesy. When you prophesy, you're speaking, you should be, can be, speaking the word of truth, which is instructional. So here we see both men and women will prophesy in Joel, 20, Joel 2, 28, Acts 2, 17. And as for forbidding women to have authority over men, in, uh, well, numerous women, first, first of all, numerous women in the, in the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, held positions of significant spiritual authority. Significant spiritual authority. We're going to look at, well, I'll just tell you, Deborah, in Judges 4 and 5, mm -hmm. you can write down Judges 4 and 5, because Deborah was Israel's judge. I just want you to get the issue. She was a judge. She was a prophetess. She was a military leader. Leader. She was the mother of Israel. God used her in a very strong, strong um, spiritual authority position. It was. It was Judges four and five. About that she was married. You know, Lapidith was her husband. You know. Then it goes on. It talks about Barak. You know that she went into. Well, he was a military leader, and Deborah. People would come to her. She would sit, and people. She was the judge of Israel, so people would come for wisdom to sell disputes. Um, she would prophesy over them. She was teaching them. She was teaching men, you know. And then she even went into a military battle with a man with Barak, you know, because he didn't want to go by himself. And um, and so she did. She went. So, but the whole chapter of Judges chapter four and Judges chapter five, because in chapter five is her song of deliverance. In chapter five, she talks all about the victory that was won. So you can read both of those chapters because it's, it's full of really what God did in and through this woman of God in the Old Testament. In John 20, 17 and 18, Mary Magdalene was the very first woman to actually preach that Jesus was resurrected. When we think about that, she was literally preaching that Jesus had resurrected. She was giving the gospel. God chose a woman to go forth and to declare the truth. Now, most men don't like that if this is an issue. We're not here, to, like I said before, we're not here to argue. But mm -hmm. we are here to say, you know what? What's right is right and what's fair is fair. And what is this distinction between, you know, male or female when God didn't put it there? This is man's misinterpretation of what God said is, is actually good and right. And we see biblical examples, and we're not done. But we see, we see biblical examples throughout Old and New Testament. There are women that God has chosen that carry that forerunner spirit, that have strong leadership, why should she be disqualified simply because she's female? It's not God's heart at all. Um, could you turn to Acts 1.14? Because in Acts 1.14, women had equal place in the upper room while they were awaiting for the Holy Spirit's coming and the birth of the church. And that's also significant because, like I said, in the culture of the time, not God's heart, but in the culture of the time, you know, women didn't have um, equality with men. And, it, it, you know, they had that distinction. Oh, but yeah, God's heart right. was not like that, which is why there were women included. Acts um, 1.14. Yeah. These all continued with one accord in prayer and mm -hmm. supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brother. With that That's again? Acts 114. Mm -hmm. 14. 114. Mm -hmm. Women had an equal place in the upper room. Mm -hmm. 